Will you turn with me tonight in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4? If you don't have your Bibles with you, all of Daniel chapter 4 somehow was, uh, fits in the back of the order of worship. It's going to be a long reading tonight, um, but we wanted to cover the whole of the chapter because it holds together as one piece. Where are we now in the narrative with Nebuchadnezzar? Because it's kind of been drawn out. Last week we saw that Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and his wrath because um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down to uh, his God that he made. He threw them into the fiery furnace. And then as he looks, he sees them walking around and there is a fourth. And it's a display of God's protection over them. Uh, we, we drew out last week, I believe it to be true as well, that this is the pre-incarnate Christ walking around with them in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar gives worship, acknowledges uh, the strength and might of God, but he has yet to arrive, I believe, at truly understanding the power of the Most High God. So as we come to it in this passage, I think he finally gets it. Let me pray before we read God's Word. We thank You, O God, for the Word that You set before us, for this testimony that Nebuchadnezzar lays down for us, Lord, a testimony of Your power and Your might, a testimony, Lord, that You, even to the highest King, can bring them to their knees, that even the highest King might be humbled before Your throne. Lord, we come before this throne tonight. And I ask, Lord, and I plead with You, that You would magnify Your Son in our midst. That Christ might be known. That salvation might be secured for all those in the hearing of this Word. This is only by Your power. By Your Spirit that moves and works. And so we ask for that to happen now. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Beginning with verse 1 of chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and the wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders, His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. I Nebuchadnezzar was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belshazzar after the name of my God in whom is the spirit of holy gods. And I told him the dream, O Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. 
Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beast of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven, and he proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches and strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth and let his mind be changed from a man's and let beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets it over the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw which grew and became strong so that its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade and whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stumps of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field and let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the King, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months, 
as he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is this not great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. This is God's word for his people tonight. Amen. This morning, we see the last words concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He is getting ready to disappear from the scene. And Nebuchadnezzar, we, we get his voice, we get his narrative here, his, as if he's speaking to us. And what would his parting words be to us? We'll examine two points. Where is your peace and security? And two... A testimony of salvation. Where is your peace and security? There's a famous interview of Tom Brady after winning the Super Bowl when he was 27. At that point, he had already won three Super Bowl rings. And as he was being interviewed, the, the, the interviewer asked him about it and he says, uh, I wonder, is there still something greater for me? He says, there, there has to be something more than this. And you can see he's really wrestling with it. He doesn't know how to answer the question. He says, I've already done it. I've already risen to the top, arrived at my greatest moment. And he says, what else is there for me? And the interviewer looks at him and says, well, what's the answer? And he says, I wish I knew. It really is a crushing answer. You see, there's a giant hole in his heart that can't be filled with all the accomplishments of the world. He's already gathered it, and yet there's something missing, and he can't put his finger on it. What if you 
had everything. Everything in this moment that your heart could desire, and you could gather it all around you. You could look at it and look over it and be thankful for it, right? What if you no longer had to dream of anything because it was all realized? Some of us could hardly imagine that. In fact, many of us are tempted to spend the entirety of our life in pursuit of it, whatever it is. The reality is, it could never offer the kind of peace and comfort for the moment, for the day. For when you part this world, your hands will be empty. And you will come face to face with one reality. You will bow your knee before the most high God. What would this scenario look like for you if that moment was to come? So Nebuchadnezzar has lifted his pen to tell you his experience, to give testimony, to help us answer that question. For he has had everything and he has lost everything. He opens uh, chapter 4 really with his conclusion and a tip of the hat to how he has been transformed by God. All the other times we've seen a different Nebuchadnezzar, haven't we? We've seen in in chapter uh, 2, all the the people and the nations or the languages are before him. And in chapter 2, he had this dream. He, he, He has lots of dreams. He had a dream. He said, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You tell me the dream wise men. And if they can't tell him the dream, he says, you will be torn limb from limb and your house is going to be destroyed. This is the kind of Nebuchadnezzar we're used to. Or in chapter three, Nebuchadnezzar again has the nations gathered before him, all of them, every tribe, tongue and nation. And he says, when you hear the music, you bow down and you worship the God I've made. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you in the fiery pit. You get it? You obey, you obey Nebuchadnezzar if you want things to go well with you. But then you see how chapter 4 starts. But here we see him speaking peace. He says peoples, nations, languages that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. Nebuchadnezzar seems to be a man at peace. He seems to know where peace can be found and he shows others where that is. This will be uh, more unpacked in his testimony, but it is clear something significant and something powerful has changed Nebuchadnezzar concerning peace and security. He tells us in verse 4 that he was at ease. He was prospering in his palace. This is a man who has reached the pinnacle of human greatness. He answers to no one. If he wants something, all he has to do is take it. He literally has dominion over the whole earth as he knows it. He has people uh, at his beck and call. Everything that he could desire, he could bring to himself. His cup's brimming, it's overflowing. What could steal this kind of peace? Who could conquer him? What kind of dreams does a man that already has everything have? But when he shuts his eyes to the kingdom around him, his peace is taken from him. 
He has seen something in his, it says, fancies and visions that has alarmed him. Verse 10, a tree that has grown so big to such an extreme size that it, it reaches up to the heavens and it was visible over the whole of the earth. But then he saw uh, from heaven uh, this holy one that comes down, this watcher who is commanded, who's commanded that this, this tree is to be lopped off, this great tree to, to fall over and yet a stump to be preserved. And there is no doubt that Nebuchadnezzar perceives uh, this vision, this dream must be about me. I think he's had enough of those to figure this out at this point. In his dream, it is revealed, verse 17, that the whole point of, of, of what Nebuchadnezzar is unpacking for us here is this. The point of the dream is that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men. Then he comes to Daniel because his wise men can't answer. The one who reveals dreams in the past. The wisdom of this world has come up short once again. Verse 18. And now we turn from the fear. This alarms Nebuchadnezzar. He has this dream. Whatever peace he had before that. It's alarmed him. And now he goes to Daniel. Because Daniel has given him answer before. And Daniel's afraid. You can hardly blame Daniel, right? Daniel has to bear bad news to a king. And it must have been written on his face as Nebuchadnezzar asks him the question because he basically tells Daniel, don't worry about it. Tell me the truth. What does it mean? What do I need to know? Be a fearful thing to tell this king who's thrown men in a fiery furnace. This king who has come to his door, Daniel's door before, to kill him. Now to tell this king, get ready, buddy. <laughs> Your day of reckoning has come. Daniel tells him that the message is the, the kind of thing that Nebuchadnezzar's enemies are going to love to hear. You, Neb, you and your kingdom are the tree that are about to be cut down. You are the stump that will be left but bound in iron and bronze. You will be preserved, but you will hardly be a man. You will be brought to the knowledge, verse 25, that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. Even in such a frightful image of judgment, God has given hope. Daniel tells him where he might find peace and security in the midst of such news. Verse 27. Don't miss the gospel here. Judgment has been pronounced and Daniel says, that was bad news. Therefore, O king, let me count my counsel be acceptable to you. It's like he's pleading him. Nebuchadnezzar, you've had multiple dreams. Listen to me this time. Hear these words. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Where is your peace and your security? Nebuchadnezzar asks us, and I tell you that every knee will bow. 
I tell you that it will never be found, this peace and this security in the trinkets of this world. It will never be confirmed in the status that you rise to. Peace and security will only be found in the mercy of the Most High God. We are called to break off from our sins, to repent and to turn, to practice righteousness, to leave our iniquities and show mercy as we have received it. And notice, it is in the turning from what Nebuchadnezzar considered prosperity to God. Prosperity is in the humbling of ourselves before God and bending the knee to our Savior, Jesus Christ. You can have the kind of peace and security that rests not in a kingdom that will be torn down, but in an everlasting kingdom. And that invitation is before you always in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nebuchadnezzar goes on in our second point to give a testimony of salvation. After this warning, Nebuchadnezzar still hadn't quite received the message because it says a year later, you know, he always seems to forget after learning a lesson. Twelve months later, he's standing out on a platform looking out over his kingdom. This vast empire display before him, he proclaims, this is my Babylon. This is the great Babylon that I have built by these hands. And my mighty power and this royal residence behind me, it's mine. I earned it. I got it. I did that. It says the words didn't even leave his mouth. Do you see the power of God? It didn't take an army to steal Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. He didn't have to raise up anyone to come and snatch it from his hands before the words left his mouth. A voice from heaven speaks to him and says, your kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, has departed. It is over in a second. All gone. That quick. Everything that he had built. Everything that he had put his trust in. Everything that was his comfort. Every comfort that brought him peace is gone. And he's driven out like an animal in madness to eat grass like an ox and his hair grew out and his fingernails got long like the claws of a bird. In many ways, he's dead. He doesn't even look like a man anymore. He's been humiliated, run out of his kingdom, out of his throne room, and now he brings us to it. We get to see a man in that condition, a man, quite frankly, that deserves it for the bloodshed on his hand and the gods that he has raised up. Is there mercy for someone like that? We get to see his restoration. Nebuchadnezzar wants you to hear it. He wants you to believe that it can happen, that the Lord can restore what is completely and utterly broken. Verse 34, God raises up Nebuchadnezzar. His eyes see for the first time. And his darkened mind now seems to have the light of life. His reason has returned to him. His heart would seem ready now to offer that acceptable praise and worship to God. And any bastion, 
Any bastion of human pride that this man used to thump his chest over is long gone. He left it in the field. It's been stripped away. And it would seem that everlasting life is now the source and the hope that is on his mind. He now looks out at his kingdom and he has different eyes, a different perspective, and a different confession. Looking to him who lives forever, he says in verse 34 through 35, for his dominion, not mine, his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation and and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. I have experienced it, says Nebuchadnezzar, nothing. And he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand and none can say to him, what have you done? As if to say, God, who do you think you are? This is a miraculous transition in Nebuchadnezzar. That's why I think you will see Nebuchadnezzar worshiping in heaven. This isn't like any of his other confessions that he has made. I see no reason not to see this as a man who was dead in his sin that has been raised to life. I said he gave us the conclusion at the beginning. The peace that Nebuchadnezzar is announcing to the, to the nations and the, tri, uh, the tribes, all those under his power and authority, is that the most High God has saved him. Would you know this peace? And what's interesting is this is it. This is all we hear about Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 4 ends, and he is gone. He is gone like a mist in the wind. We don't know where his body lies. We can't find anything about him. In fact, we can't even find the kingdom in which he was so proud of. It's gone. As if he's to say, this is my last and final plea and word to you that you would know and you would come to this conclusion. The kingdom is gone and there's no trace to be found. All is laid bare here for us and for our contemplation tonight. There are so many beautiful things to draw out from this passage. I'm going to give you a quick aside contemplation for maybe you to think about later or throughout the week from this passage. For one, just as this king was humbled, I want you to think on Christ. Christ who ruled from heaven, who had all power and all authority over all the earth, yet he submitted himself, not because of his pride or because of his sin, he submitted himself to humiliation and he was made lower than men least among us, or as Isaiah says, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected. His enemies rejoiced over him. And he was crushed for iniquity, smitten by God, and by his chastisement brought us peace. And then he was once again exalted, resurrected, and received the very kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar referred to that is everlasting. He is the one to whom every knee under heaven and earth will bow to. Think on that humiliation and that exaltation later. It will satisfy you that Christ has done this for you.
But here's the main drive, I believe, of chapter 4, the main contemplation. As the narrative opens and closes, there is only one reasonable and saving conclusion. Worship the Most High God as all other kingdoms will come to nothing. This is what the book of Daniel is about. And it would have been the pressing message for the original hearers of the book of Daniel, Israel. In exile, Israel, a nation, has had a similar rise and fall. They were a a nation that could be described like a glorious tree spreading out its arms. And in their midst was Yahweh. And yet they were chopped down and carted off to another land to be under another king. And there they uh, find themselves in exile. Then they hear hear of this and Isaiah prophesying he says in in chapter 11 there shall come from uh, the shoot of Jesse from the stump of Jesse a branch shall rise up and bear fruit a, a, a stump that has been preserved and Israel's hearing this message from fall that there's going to be a rise in redemption and it will lead to the consummation of an everlasting kingdom. Israel is to learn this as the Gentile king here learned this. And brothers and sisters, you are to wrap your hearts and your minds around this truth that we must bow the knee, as Daniel said. As he instructed Nebuchadnezzar, here's the only hope, brother. Here's the only thing that you can do. Repent of your sins. Turn from them, he says. Turn to righteousness and look to the restoration from God. For those who do this, there will be peace and prosperity as God relents of His judgment. This is the trajectory of Scripture. It ends in the everlasting kingdom of the Most High God. What are you waiting for? Tomorrow's not promised. Nebuchadnezzar found before the words left his mouth that it could have all been over in a moment. And what would he have to display before God in his judgment except empty hands? Empty hands, bare and exposed. Where is your peace and security? Where, what is your testimony of salvation? It can only be this. My hands are bare. My heart is exposed. God, have mercy on me a sinner. Nebuchadnezzar cries out from verse 37. He extols you. He pleads with you. Praise and honor the King of Heaven for all His works are right and His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He is able to humble. Let's pray.